Hey everybody, thanks for dropping in on this week's episode of Music the Bed of Life. We're going to have a very special guest and friends on this episode. Uh, it's a gentleman that not only inspires music, but has probably in every way, shape, or form uh, was responsible for bringing music to our bed of life. So I'm not going to go on a lot, a long time, because I want him to introduce himself. And that gentleman is Dr. Robert C. Fleming, lovingly known as Coach. And we also have in the house Dr. Brenda Fleming, also lovingly known as Mama Coach. And I've got more for that later. So how you doing today, Coach? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah. I wanted to first go back a ways because I know when I got here, I think it was like 1977. Mm -hmm. I know you came to the band before that. I had my time, my time right here. One of my special guests. And um, but you came from somewhere before you got to Arizona. Where might that have been? Well, I was director of bands at University of Tennessee in Martin, Tennessee. It was a uh, small college, but uh, I started out with 35 kids in the band and left seven years later with 120 in the band, and uh, it was a good experience. I had wonderful mentors, uh, department chairmans that led me in the right direction, and uh, then uh, I was a grad assistant with uh, Dick Strange at Carnegie Mellon University before going to Tennessee. And he called one night and said, did I want to still be his assistant? And I said, well, yeah. Where? He said, well, Arizona State University. I said, where the heck is that? And so then we came out here, and I spent 28 years with the Sun Devil Marching Band and all the bands, and we just had a great career. Well, and, and we'll get to that part, but mm -hmm. I'm actually going to take you, first of all, what year was it when you were at Martin? Ish. Uh, can I chime in? Yeah. Um, uh, 1967. 1967. Yeah. Okay. So how old were you then? I 20s, 30s, maybe 25. 35. 35. 30? He was 33 when he came to Arizona State. Oh, well, then go back a few years. Okay, so 20s. Yeah. You're in your 20s. Yeah. So, what I'm, it doesn't have to be exact. What I'm getting at is you were already into music at that time so let's go back further like why were you into music what introduced you to music in the first place my parents yeah my dad was my band director all through elementary junior high and high school of course we lived in a small town outside of pittsburgh called aspenwall and uh, he was mr music and uh, I, this is just a memory that impressed the heck out of me. 
going to his funeral. They were lined up outside the church for blocks just to get in to participate in his funeral. And that that just that really hit me. Yeah, that and, had uh, quite the impression. Yeah. So and Did you I, know you wanted to be a band director before that point? Um yeah. Well, I, I was. I mean, when he died, I was at UT Martin. And uh, so, yeah, I, I did what I wanted to do and what he wanted me to do, I'm sure. My brother was a band director, too. And uh, he passed several years ago. But, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great career. I mean, the people that are here are part of the reason why I did what I did. Uh, so since you brought that up, <laughs> I am going to <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb because I don't know this from fact. I'm gonna say your father and your mother probably instilled quite a strong uh, quite the strong emotion in you to be family like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My my parents, they were married, oh, well, probably 60 years. And uh, as my brother and I, the only fights we ever heard was between he and I. And uh, like we had a fight one night when they were both gone out for the evening and Tom put me out on the front porch and locked the door <laughs> and they came home and there I am sitting on the front porch. Well, you don't think mother was a little upset about that but uh, no, they were, they were just wonderful people and uh, mom was an opera singer uh, at one point, and pianist, organist, uh, and of course, Dad was the choir director at church. So, uh, as well as well as being band director all around. And so, yeah, and and Tom, he became a band director in Pennsylvania in Murraysville, and. Uh, he he directed there for I think like about the same amount of time, about twenty eight years he was there. And uh so we've we've always been with bands and music and uh creates your a whole family of friends that you never lose. Well, I I just wanna uh I'm going to chime in a real quick story here because you made me giggle. And you guys can laugh, by the way, if you find feel to. Um, when you said you locked your brother out on the front porch? No, he locked me out on the oh, front okay. porch. Okay, I'll say, so I was Tom. Uh -huh. I locked my brother out of the house <laughs> after I picked up a glass ashtray. I should probably not admit this. I picked up a glass. He made me so mad. He was beating my head against the floor. 
So I got him out of the house, locked the door after I threw a glass ashtray, fortunately missed him, um, and then locked the back door too because he ran around the back, thought he was going to be slick. That got to the point where my he went to my neighbor, my neighbor called my mom, my mom called me and said, let your brother in the house. <laughs> But anyway, so that just made me giggle when you said you got knocked out. Uh, but family-wise, when I came down here in 1977, I remember the first thing I did was I ran into your office with this paper that was a drum cadence, and I'm like, Coach, Coach, I got this really cool drum cadence. And you didn't know me from Adam. Yeah. You didn't look at me like I was some idiot freshman. You just looked at me and said, oh. We'll take it over to Brian and Paul and see what they think about it. <laughs> and I was, I was hooked at yeah. that point. I was hooked. So at, at that point in time, and Mama Coach as well, you guys, um, I remember you inviting us into the house and for Thanksgiving because I didn't go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, so you opened your doors to several generations of band members. Oh, yeah. And, and you're just so family-like. We still do. And you still do. This past year was our 38th. Pointing to Leslie Anderson. Let's bring yeah. Leslie in on this. Uh, I spent lots of Thanksgivings here uh, well after I was on my own and I could have provided my own meal. However, you know, tradition has it to go to family, so I went with family. But um, times are, uh, it's my turn now. And so now uh, Coach and Mama Coach come on. To my house for Thanksgiving and it's it's a hoot I mean we try to make it we don't go out on the patio but anyway we try to make it just like the way it was we have Christmas corn which is designated as Thanksgiving corn and turkey and ham and all that so, mm -hmm. yeah. so we've got um, speaking of family we've got a, a couple more individuals in the house here along with mama coach and that is Hugh Jones and Dave Williams hello hello, hello. I asked these guys along because this, I know, is at least part of the solid memory of my years, and I think they're pretty much ingrained in your brain, probably, yeah. too. Yeah. So um, tell us why family was so important in band. Because I know when you left, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I stuck <coughs> around doing some photography and stuff, and it just was not the same. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always said that in normal classes, it doesn't matter what the person next to you does. But in band, it does matter what the next person to you does. And so you create this squad of four, which becomes its own family. And then within that, the section becomes a whole and so it's it's just all rooted to that which is the way my dad taught us marching band uh, <laughs> some of the shows that we used to do were, were just crazy uh, Bill Moffat drills uh, in and out and in and out and uh, the Moffat no, two-step Two step it's uh, it's it's just a family thing, you know, and it makes makes it what it is today. And uh, I've got to say, HUD, 
Oh, is the director at ASU. He has made his own family uh, yeah. part of this realm. And uh, he's, he's done a good job. And uh, I just uh, miss it a lot, but I, I just, I can't go anymore. And that's just the way it is. Well, that's why we brought this crew to you. <laughs> yeah. So well. who's got some... Um, I'll just ask. Okay, we'll start with you because I think actually, um, okay. what musically was the impact that Coach had on you? Um, well, first of all, Coach, thank you for all you did for everyone. You're talking about thousands of individual lives that you've impacted, Mama Coach. You're the same. Yeah. And um, so musically, I, I actually came in to ASU as a music major and uh, talking about the family and, and everything, Mama Coach and Coach came out to Glendale High School when I was the drum major and attended there before I even got That's to right. ASU. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I ended up on French horn, which didn't equate for my major in music. but. Uh, the thing was with Coach, the, the amount of effort and dedication to perfection for what we did. It's, mm -hmm. it's a level that, as, as Tony mentioned, I have not seen since you've left. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it comes down to, to me, even down to the explosion block, which is to me one of the, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Mm -hmm. It's one of I the, it's one of the, pyrorexes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and it's the, it, it was the signature yes. of, of, of that show uh, and no matter what it was consistent mm -hmm. it was executed so well it was planned so well and it's never been duplicated uh -huh. and a lot of that comes down to musically the formations um, it's all you from mm -hmm. coach for what you put into it and you got the best out of everyone uh, mm -hmm. one one note I will say from the family side of things is that coach you <coughs> You worked hard, you played hard, you played harder than some of the other folks that when we went out to play after our, our games were done over at, at um, Straw Hat or Shakey's. Yeah, um, Manetti's. Manetti's. Um, and then we ended up at Chuck E. Cheese, I think, at some yeah. point in time. Yeah. Um, you know, Turkey in the Straw. Yeah. I've never seen anybody. My, the last night that we were at uh, Straw Hat was my first night. Uh, in 1979, where Why you got that, Hugh? Well, because Coach got carried out of the bathroom with toilet paper toilet wrapped paper. around him, and I guess it didn't make the establishment too happy. Um, oh. Where Coach is then, as we're dragging him out, trying to pick a fight with the manager of the place, which I thought was totally awesome. It was the best, one of the best first experiences <laughs> of my first impressions of my ASU career. So. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's the thing that I always counted on was that when we left the field after every single game, after every time we got done with a show, the pride, the Sunday pride was truly yeah. mm -hmm. exactly something that was yeah. embedded in all of us and you instilled it all. And one thing I will say is that that you, you were a, like a father and a mom to mm -hmm. all of us mm -hmm. and you had a, a fairly good threshold of us being screwballs out on the field when we're practicing, but when it when it got to the point where it was just too much, 
you let us know, <laughs> and we all lock, were in lockstep again. Yeah. You, you gave us a leash, and most <laughs> oftentimes we tested it, mm-hmm. and yet you still, still were there as someone that we could always look up to. And um, I have such amazing, I can't even express words to my children about the impact that, this, that you and the band were, was to my life. Yeah. So no, I thank you so good. much. Thank you. For sure. Yeah, Remember, yeah. you know, part of that whole thing. So you had, we come down from the stands, we're getting ready to go on the field, right? So we go back, we do the warm up. There was a huddle. So I mean, mm-hmm. just like you know, we yes. broke huddle, bang, we were ready to go. So we hit the field. We came off the field. We had people waiting for us to shake our hand, go back to a huddle, and give us the yeah. some devil pride. Absolutely. I'll start crying now. I know. <laughs> You'll get us all. So good. sad. <laughs> You remember, yeah. you remember Zap? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The bees. Yeah. I was thinking about yeah. that the other day, and yeah. I've actually used that a couple times in my life in different professional settings as uh, do, just doing group speaking and getting a, a, doing some teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me tell you what, uh, there is nothing like having a group of 15 to 20 seasoned, salty, angry, bitter cops in a room and you're getting ready to teach them a couple different things and you say you know what why don't you guys do one thing for me and and you explain to them how it works and what we're going to do and there's no giggling and stuff and when we finish I don't want to hear a sound for three seconds not a sound don't breathe and and you conduct that exercise with them and you and you rise that crescendo, and you build it, and build it, and you can see the goosebumps mm. and the eyeballs mm-hmm. of everybody around you. Like, holy cow, this is good! And y- you know what? I do believe the cosmos do operate in vibration. Music is vibration, it, and light mm-hmm. is it, everything. It's all connected, and you can connect people's psyches in about 15, 30 seconds of doing that. And when you do that, that. And there's that dead silence. You see it in everybody's eyes like, holy crap, that was something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember the first couple of times, and I know it originated, I, I think, from DCI. Yeah. I think you swiped it from DCI. Mm-hmm. Um, which, hey, let's face it, in, yeah. in the music business, there's no such, you're, it's, they call it sampling now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? Right. right. Sampling. But um, I just, that was so incredible. But. You know, talking about the family issue, um, again, yeah, we, I drew, grew up just down the street. I went to Marcos de Mesa, Taco Tech. Oh, Le Padre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, learned, cut my chops <clears throat> under Larry Mabbitt, Bill Richardson. Sure. Great, amazing people. Yeah. Um, and, of course, but I was on the doorstep of Arizona State, you know, and played some sports, and everybody knows Frank Cush, you know, this and that. But my, my senior year, I was in Young Sounds and trying out some different things. And I heard this thing about the ASU band uh, was going to offer an opportunity for high school kids to come play with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm a big band on campus. You know, <laughs> I'm first chair, you know, for whatever that means these days. So I got in contact with some people, and it turns out that they had this thing called the Rodeo for Rodeos. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all they had to do was show up on the back steps of the gamut, which I had no idea existed. You know, I, I was a civilian. I always went in the front door. Yeah. 
all I do is show up and I get loaded on a Bluebird bus and this and that and it'd be a great, you know, sight reading experience and mm -hmm. and don't worry about it. just just have fun, just try to keep up, you know. So I'm like, okay. So I show up. Of course, I'm all like nervous, <laughs> and there's all these grown people around me, <laughs> men with beards and and women with things, you know. And it's like these are grown ups, you know. I felt like a, a kid in a candy store and. So we get on the Bluebird and, and we're off to go play the rodeo gig and I get and I sit and the first person to come up to me was Carol Kiernan. Ah. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. And Kathy Reischneider. Oh, oh yeah. Ah. And I I can't remember the exact exchange, but it was something to the effect of, oh, fresh meat. <laughs> and, you know, I I I'm a I'm a little shy sometimes, <laughs> even back then. And I was shocked. I I'm sure I turned about a thousand sheets of red. And uh, got Only on the, the bus. Only the two of them could do that. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they set me next to, I think it was Brian Court oh, or my. somebody, you know, and then and, or Lee Bauman, oh, no. you know, because remember he had a full oh, beard. Lee, yeah. 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 Lee and Moses. Had long right? hair at that time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Bob Weil and all these other Bob miscreant yeah. deadheads. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm in a commune. What the hell? Is <laughs> I'm going to be kidnapped. Yeah. So we get on this bus. We're heading down Van Buren. And of course, What's the game when you go down the bus on Van Buren? Spot the hooker. Spot the hooker, right? <laughs> oh my God! So it was it was awesome there. We went. We played. We're playing this, and, and you know, I thought I had some decent chops. I was not bad, but we start playing these gallops. Yeah. And you know, and I'm like looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is like a march. Okay, yeah, you know. And coach, you you threw down that first thing, and it was like, and I was like. Yo! <laughs> Lord help me, and I just kind of sat back, and I would play the like with the French horn, button, 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 button. <laughs> and it took me a better part of a couple of years to, because I was going to learn those songs. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, but what an experience! That was my introduction to the Sunnyvale Band family. Mm -hmm. And then when I came in '78, um, and my first squad leader was this little skinny woman. This, <laughs> Crazy buckwheat. That'd be me. And she's my squad leader, and it's me and you and what's it, Mraz? Mraz. We have yeah. this albino guy from Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> totally. Never, he just got yeah. off the plane after sitting next to Eddie Madden and ooh, Eddie Madden. And, uh, and it just was on from there. But you know, the, the family aspect of it, you spoke of there's the individual, the squads, the sections, and my other life experience that I've been able to draw and apply this to, it's a very uh, quasi-military aspect of it. I mean, you do have the individual soldier, warrior, you have the short squad, you have a battalion, you have a regiment, you know. Um, but, and each one of those is, is an important piece of it, but it's not until you put the whole package together that it becomes a formidable machine capable of achieving great things. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think back of, uh, now, man, I'm having head flash of mm -hmm. Dave Henderson and Steve Banks mm -hmm. and Steve mm -hmm. Peterson and, you know, mm -hmm. the recall. But of the, the monumental things that we accomplished as the marching band, as the concert band, as the pet bands and, and, and all, the, all the other stuff, um, we didn't know we couldn't do that. But at no point. I mean, it was just, I remember the, the message came from you, Coach. It's like, well, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, well, yeah, mm -hmm. just, here, just do this, and here's the chart. Leslie, mm -hmm. squad leaders, you know. 
<laughs> and and we're wandering around like the old man's crazy. The old man, <laughs> this is it. They're going to he finally flipped, you know. The and, heat got to him. And three <laughs> days before the show, we're in the in the stadium and we're like wandering around and and then come Saturday afternoon, we're getting dressed and you got the tunes in your head and you hit the field and that first time of going out in Sunnyvale Stadium under those lights. Yeah, you will wet yourself. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Sure. You'll get cotton mouth, you'll wet yourself, and it's okay because we've all done that. Why do you think the grass is so green? It's <laughs> true. But when you hit that and you get that fruition of the result, yeah. and, you know, I remember standing in a, in a diagonal one time. Uh, like, it was a great gate of Kiev. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Great looking at this, yeah. this starburst yeah. diagonal that we had, yeah. and it was impeccable. I couldn't see, I couldn't, I, all I could see is ears, you know, and I remember thinking, this is some big time stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason it comes about is trust. Mm-hmm. Yes. We trust our squad leaders, we trust the section leaders, we trust the directors, mm-hmm. the grad asses, and, there, but there was never any fear. You talk about exchanging the some of this message to your kids and other people they don't get it but and we were truculent children at times but yeah and but he knew when to pull the leash coach you always knew when to mm-hmm. yank on the leash you let us run okay go okay let him go let him go and then it was like okay that's enough come on back <laughs> sit down drink some water you know yeah um, but there was never any fear of reprisal and mm-hmm. I, I'm that's one thing that I've tried to carry forward to me when I do was doing some training as a police officer. I was a field training officer for 15 years, and I'd get these kids these first dayers right out of the academy, and I'd be listen. Don't ever, don't ever be afraid to ask me anything, and don't be afraid to tell me you made a mistake. Just come to me, you know. And there's a, there was they could operate uh, in an open environment, and that as a result, just like in band. The creativity oh. that would spin out of people. I mean, I look back down. I look at the people who are performing gigging still nationwide, worldwide, mm-hmm. and, and the stuff they're doing and the creativity. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, yeah, that was that was actually another one of the things that I uh, was impressed with about your teaching style when I got to marching band was the fact that you you actually took suggestions from some of us, some mm-hmm. of us. Some of us, you knew better not to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking about where I learned why to do that and how to do that. My first year at UT Martin, I had designed a drill, and one of the trumpet players from that band came to me and said, Coach, uh, this won't work. I said, what do you mean it won't work? I drew it up. What do you mean? He said, no, you want us to go this distance in this amount of steps. We can't take, we're not elephants. We can't take big steps like that. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, he's right. So I went back to the drawing board that night. I pulled an all-nighter and redesigned the whole show. But it worked when I redesigned it and... So I always appreciated anything students had from an input standpoint. Uh, well, and remember, you 
had from the time I came on and I wanted to be a part of it, the halftime committee. Yeah. And so when we'd finish, right. yeah. finish the season at the end of the marching band season, we'd start about December, January, and he'd ask, you'd ask us to come in with ideas and then get a sound bite of the tune that we wanted to play. And then we'd sit down in January, February, and, you know, they'd iron out the theme shows because you yeah. were doing theme shows at that point in time. And then you know, send the music off to Eddie Madden, mm-hmm. and uh, it was you know that that's a big deal. I mean, you you're letting go of a huge responsibility from your part as the director. I mean, and you, you did it. Yeah. The part that for me, you know, in the early days, and I came in '75. Coach's first year was in '74. You know, um, you know. It, truth be told, I think my first year we had 150 in the band. We were good, but not, I mean, we were as good as we could be that he could extract out of us. And I think that's the point, as we added members and added talent, local talent, and and kids from nationally that you guys recruited through interlocking and what have you, Mm -hmm. those, Tony, you're one of them, um, Coach was able to extract through discipline, through excellence, through setting marks, encouraging you know the power of positivity Amen. I, you know i'm a prime example i'm not a very good musician i mean I, god gave me and i did what i could do but i played out of my socks for five years for him you yeah. know yep. and i i get up in the mornings at 5 a.m i go down uh manzanita the basement go practice my marching band tunes so i'd be ready for for um rehearsal I had to do that because I wasn't as good as you guys. Other folks could just show up and, you know, they were good to go. But, you know, that changed my life, not only from, you know, the power of positivity, the power of setting bars for for folks. I changed my major. I went from, I went through, I had a, I was going to be, I was a history major. I got my degree. I'm going on to law school. Much to my parents' chagrin, I called them in November and said, you know what, I really want to be a teacher. Because I'd gotten a gig to work with Steve Peterson at Central High School. And the reason I was a teacher, and the reason I think I was a pretty decent teacher, is I modeled myself after Coach. Yeah. I mean, it changed my life. And, and Brenda. Brenda was a role model for me as a, as a mom, as a woman, who, she was a mom, she was a professional lady, she was a wonderful wife, supportive wife, and a mom to the rest of us. I'd never seen that before, and that was pretty incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are huge. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think the things as you all have been talking about your experiences and what you received, what you gave back to us as a family, is just irreplaceable and our, our children Michelle and, and Brian they'll still say I just remember meeting all these people they would come to our house they never knew who was going to be there or who someone needed a place to stay and they invited someone to stay uh, Brian shared his uh, room with Danny Lindsay who came from Tennessee yeah. followed coach yeah. out here wonderful band director at Glendale High School for so many years and that's where you came from and mm-hmm. so we had a real connection with that and also with Marcos um, yeah. where our daughter ended up going to high school but what the band gave bus- back to us 
was just something that was absolutely wonderful. And it was like a family away from our family since all of our relatives were in Pennsylvania or and our friends from Tennessee, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a win-win situation for us. Oh, yeah, and I'm so glad it happened. No. For sure. You know, we what, gave you a large grocery bill, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, talking about the family aspect of it, yeah, um, Phil Hadler. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Rick Goodstein. Yeah. Um, all the guys that have, all, all the folks, I should, um, that came, traveled into the Sun Devil circles, grad asses and, and mosquitoes and, yeah. and everybody else, and and who then matriculated out to the major universities and stuff, and um, just the the aspect. I, you know, I remember. Michelle and Brian being, I think Brian was eight or nine, whatever, yeah. and, and Michelle was just this bouncing little. She was in diapers with yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Volleyball, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, but, you know, I remember a, a, we went on a pep band trip and, and we had won the game and I think we won a lot of things that night because the next day, some of us, we had a gig at Magic Mountain. Or we had a gig at Magic Mountain. Yeah. And some of us weren't really in the best of shape, you know. And, and we gingerly got okay, okay, me. I was hungover. I got in the bus. Everybody's looking at me like, oh God, don't get near anything. And here comes Michelle. She's maybe three, four, five, whatever she was. She's bouncing down the aisle like squeaky voice. Like yeah, with the you know, and she jumped up into my lap. Hey, David, and I just and I just looked at her like, somebody get this child, save this child. But and then to play uh, the pickup basketball and stuff, and then you know, and have Brian with his ba his basketball career and his his activities, and then be playing pickup against him with a bunch of guys that now Sandy Dwayne, but the coaches, and, and and they're all principals now, and to see just Brian and Michelle and everything they're doing, and now with the grandkids, and then it's just a continuation of uh, pride and love that. You know, it just—it's there's always been such a reciprocal thing. I—I've I, worked uh, in a couple different careers with uh, band people, Michelle mm -hmm. Foltis, mm -hmm. um, and, and Hope, and stuff. You know, it, it just—I cross paths. Yeah. I cross paths with people all the time, and I'll make a band reference or something like that, and they're like, "You're an Asian man." I was an Asian man. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, come here. You're one of us. Come on. It's okay. <laughs> You're funny, Dave, because I. I'll be honest, I didn't like you for a while. Oh, TQ? Uh, remember TQ, TQ trip? I do remember TQ. That was not a I good did, trip. But Coach doesn't want to know about that. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not going to bring that up because you get sick. Um, speaking of family, when we went on a pet band trip to USC, and I may have told you this, I don't know, but that day we had those red maroon and gold striped hats. Yes. Oh, yes. the Burger King. Yes. Burger. The Burger yeah. King hat. Burger yeah. King. And <laughs> one of those guys, <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. One of those guys from USC grabbed my hat and I just mm. instinctively ran right after him and then next thing I know I look up and I'm in a full section of USC students. I'm like, oh, that wasn't very bright. <laughs> but then I turn around and who's right behind me? Dave Williams. Yeah. I was like, that's my brother from now on. Because <laughs> he was not having that. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't come from your typical just go to BAM and go home. 
Yeah. It happen that way. You caused all that, and um, and that's all because of music, right? You know what's interesting too is in the, that piqued my memory in this is when Leslie was talking about the people in band who had their abilities. You know, every, you have a full range of abilities. So you have people that are okay, you got good, and then the thing that stuck, stood out for me is this huge compliment to you is now you've got these you've got these individuals that are required to be in band that are music performance yeah. majors. Yeah. They have to be because they're on scholarship. Right. So you hook them in, right? Mm -hmm. And they walk on the field um, for band camp. One, they cannot believe they have to spend band camp, a week of band camp because they're performance <laughs> yep. majors. But by the end of right yeah. by the end of band camp and when they did their first game, it changed their entire lives you're of right. thinking about you know, because a lot of these performance majors, you're you're just doing it yourself. You know, mm -hmm. now you know if you're jazz, whatever, you still have an ensemble. You have to work together. Yeah. But to have in the numbers by 80, 1980, we had 300 over 300 right. members in the band, yes. one of the largest right. bands in the nation. That's right. Yeah. And you see these music performance majors coming out of the halftime show, all sweaty, all but huge smiles on their faces, and you know, like the Grinch, their hearts grew like a hundred times <laughs> yeah. bigger, you it's know, because they were kind of Grinchy when they first would get there at band camp, because they thought they were so much better than everyone. Oh, and you, and the way that you managed us and instilled the fact that um, the discipline, the love, sheer love, and that's something people, when I tell them I'm in the mar was in the marching band, they think, oh, that's silly, you know, I'll use yeah. that term. That's silly, and I, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yet, that changed. You've changed not even people that loved marching band, which is mm -hmm. what we are, but mm -hmm. those that didn't care for it or didn't think they need it and became the love of their life. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think about that? Well, I think one of my reasons for success in college teaching was the fact that I married a lady that my dad told me to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to the church where his dad was the uh, choir director. Ah, yeah. Smart. And, uh, anyway, that's it's a whole other story. <laughs> that's yeah. episode two. Okay. Um, Because Brenda was a sports fan, and still is, mm -hmm. yeah. me not so much anymore, but she, oh boy. Anyway, every Friday night for 28 years, we went to a high school football game. Yeah. And I would only go if two, the, both bands were going to be there. And... We'd always sit with the home team band, but then I always went over to the other side and said hi to the band and so on. And uh, and I, I did that consistently. And and Brenda stuck with me. I mean, she went every Friday night. We would go to it was like our date night to a high school. Except you had. Whoopee! You, you always, you yeah. always, you always <laughs> asked all of us to go with you at, at Campus High. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. that was a part of a recruiting thing that paid off huge. Oh yeah. The only drawback to that whole thing was, 
after the band, uh, well, one band would perform pregame and, and sometimes both at halftime. He wanted to go home, and I wanted to stay <laughs> 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 the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But he's like, "Wait, there's football going on yeah. here." Oh, yeah. oh, I know. Yeah. The score's tied. Come on. Yeah. It's a good game. You think about like the the, the aspect of band aid, and band aid for the kids in the bigger bands. Obviously, that was that was the thing of the year for marching band. Um, but reflecting on how everybody in the Sandoval Marching Band, regardless of talent, skill, aptitude, or what they wanted to do, whether they ever wanted to play the horn after the band or not, everybody was the same. We were mm -hmm. on equal footing. Um, mm -hmm. I, was, I was treated the same as Bob Connolly, Bill Hahn, yeah. Leslie, uh, Linda Price, um, Rich Cross, you know, Jerry, uh, Greg Varlato. Anybody else who, in, in my opinion, had far superior talent, um, and, and but we were all treated uh, as music equals, mm -hmm. which and I'm gonna tell you what in this day and age, you don't find many social group settings, with the exception of marching band, where everybody is a given equal. And I remember in band, you talk about. I tell people I was in marching band, right? And they, uh, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> listen, you've never. That's the UN of mm -hmm. of yeah, of people. That's yeah. right. You've got uh, obviously racial. Differences. You've got heritage differences. You've got biological differences. You've got ideological differences. I mean, God bless some of my son of offense that still follow me on Facebook. You know, um, they knew me before I was who I am. But uh, everybody was was treated as an equal. And and when that tra extrapolated out through what you and Brenda and, and would do at those football games, and then at band they were the worst clarinet player from Tuba City. <laughs> Tuba City. God bless yeah. you, TJ. And, <laughs> but they, and the, the highlight of their year, maybe their life, was yeah. performing at <clears throat> six forty-five in the morning at Arizona Stadium, Arizona State Stadium. And all they ever wanted to do is they wanted to be a Sun Devil, yeah. and they wanted mm -hmm. to be in that marching band. That's yes. right. Because they'd spend all day there from Tuba City, and they all day long, and then the Sun Devil band would hit that field yep. at two thirty in the afternoon. Yes. And put on a show that would literally rock the stadium and just drive home to that kid that, you know what, I'm important in Tuba City and I'm going to be every one of those people. That's why we wear uniforms. We're not individuals. We're part of a group. And that's, to me, that's been the biggest lesson that I've carried um, from not only the way you taught Coach and, and Brenda and then the way everything you guys ever pushed out to us is that, you know what, everybody has value in this organization. Right. And... And I remember the first time I ever heard this phrase uh, in marching band, if you're the only one right, you're the only one wrong. <laughs> you know, yep. you put your ego back in your flip folder and get in line, Junior. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it's, just, it's always been the remarkable part of the ASU experience, Coach, and we appreciate that mm -hmm. so much. You, just, that, you always fostered that. Yeah. Always felt wanted. For sure. But the, the, remember, you brought up the UN um, aspect of a band where, you know, Many come together as one. Um, my sophomore year, um, we had a young man pass away on the field. His name was Mark Yanowitz in 1976, November. Right. And um, through a congenital heart defect, you know, we it was a run through of the show because we'd had a show on on Saturday night. It was an easy week, you know, we're back to back. And horn came down, and he went down. 
And in those days, we had a couple folks who um, performed CPR, and people ran three-quarters of a mile to the firehouse on Apache to get the fire trucks and the paramedics to come on over. So long story short, Mark passes away. And it was a total grieving process because it happened in front of everybody. I mean, you'll never forget that moment. But Coach, knowing that Mark was an Orthodox Jew and came from an Orthodox family, had the rabbi from um, Phoenix Diocese come, and we were in the stadium on that Tuesday and did the the Kaddish, the the, uh, prayer for the dead. Correct. And, and explain the whole thing to us. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do that, but you did. Taught us a lot. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. And I'm sure it meant a lot to his family. Yes, and I uh, went through a phase shortly after that that I thought I had killed him because I, I was <laughs> particularly upset that this first time they did And so I said, and you're going to do it again. And they went out and did it again. And then I still hear Rick Clary's voice. Coach, get your butt over here. And I went over and there Mark was on the ground. But uh, when his mother told me that, no, he did what he wanted to do. Yeah. He went to your school because he wanted to be in your band. He was from Pennsylvania. And and saw us on TV and told his parents, I want to go to that school. So they made sure he was able to go to ASU. And uh, But the fact that they understood that he did what he loved to do was to just be in the band. Uh, that kind of carried me through it, and uh, you don't ever forget. But sure. but uh, it brings up good memories of how we got through it as a as a family. Yeah, yeah. We dedicated that that show that Saturday um, to him. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, the last the last tune was "I Write the Songs." Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. Your memory is unbelievable, <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> All of yours. Yeah. And yours I'm impressed. Are this is fun. You're, ca- you're calling out names. Left and right. Yeah. And then I'm going, wait a minute. He was in, that person was in my band. Yeah. 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 And different, different times. It's yeah, cool. Right. It's cool. You know, this is what I'm saying. He, he, I didn't like you at first, but <laughs> you are quite an impressive individual, I have to say. Yeah. Um, That's my little brother. Another podcast coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, get, you don't have enough tape. <laughs> Thank God we're digital now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with Spe- that. Speaking of tape, yeah. let me jump in on this. I remember at the old band office, uh, um, when you, the, the big thing was you reel the reel. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mm-hmm. remember going in and listening because I was an LP guy, right? We were all LP cassette tape together, and then they came out with the CDs. But I remember listening to, and, and it was I think a Doc's urging 
said, listen to the fidelity of the tape. Yep. And and then he, he I think he played a cassette. Anyways, the the stark difference in just the tonality and, and yeah. what what we were starting to lose in the digital compression of the music from the CDs and, and even on cassette mm -hmm. tapes. You know, but I remember that real the real unit you had in your in mm -hmm. your office. Yeah. Coach. Yeah. Um, and you know, God bless you, whether you knew it or not, we, we all went in there and listened to tapes all the time. But just <laughs> fostering, uh, hey, statute of limitations. Is, <laughs> me, if anybody knows that, I know the statute of limitations. You can't touch me. And I've already done my polygraph work. But, yeah, just, uh, just those, the finer nuances of that, um, as far as your, your tenure as being in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we spoke of the, the transition following coach stepping down and stepping back from it and uh, in leading into HUD, which I gotta tell you, HUD's an amazing guy. Yeah. In the program now. So uh, but you know it it was never it as much as I, I say it's about Bob Fleming and that's where we all come from, it's about the program. It's sort of it's it's Ned Wolk. It's Frank Cush. It's yeah. you know mm -hmm. um, it's it's yeah, the, yeah. the program and it's the people and the dedication to it down to the smallest degree. Um, but it, it, it can't function without, without, that, uh, without that, that vision. Yeah. I think that's, that's what you, you really gave us is a vision. You had a spot, I remember, when we went to the DCI course right. and, and, and things like that. I remember the little funky little blue ruler thing that you would bend and make curves. And, mm -hmm. um, how it was just—it was a vision. It was always a progressive vision, working. It was always harder. Sometimes it was smarter, but it was always harder. It's like really fine, jeez. <laughs> now I got this like goofy cowboy hat thing. You know? Yeah, and, goofy uh, cowboy hat. But it always worked, and there was always a method behind the madness. And mm -hmm. if you actually—I remember when I actually stopped. I said, "Why are we doing this?" And said, "Well," and he I was like, "Oh." Okay. <laughs> okay, I got it. But uh, it's just, it was magnificent. Well, just to, to piggyback off that, the vision was really important, but at least for me, in order for HUD to be successful, you had to have built an amazing foundation. And like for any right. foundation of a house, a building, the foundation of what you built, you brought in and changed the entire um, foundation of music. Yeah. Um, especially from a marching band standpoint. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And, you know, no one can be you. No one can be you, Mama Coach nope. or a coach. Um, they can only do that you built a foundation for them to operate off of. Mm -hmm. um, their own vision can't, you know, it's nothing you can do about that, right? Uh, but the foundation is there that will never be equal. It, it, it's done. The foundation is there. Now they just have to build off of that, at mm -hmm. least from my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Coach, how did you meet Eddie Madden? How did he get into our program? I was going to go there. Were you? Yeah. When <laughs> I was at Carnegie Mellon with Dick Strange as his grad assistant, uh, Eddie did the arrangements for the marching band at Carnegie Mellon. So when Dick got the ASU job and I went with him, uh, we got Eddie to be our arranger for the marching band. And, uh, you also I, used Eddie Madden at UT Martin. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes. Wow. 
but uh, as a result of death and being together. But it's uh, yeah, he just passed away last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, he he was a big original reason for our success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because he would do stuff with music that yeah. you couldn't imagine. Couldn't read it, back yeah. in the day, <laughs> Strange would get the music for the show mm -hmm. on Friday. Yeah. The show was on Saturday. Mm. Oh, my. And he would go to the airport to pick it up. Yeah, he'd go. He'd oh, go. Pick up the music. I did not know that. And we'd pass it out that morning, do a run-through, get out on the field and, and do a show with the Carnegie Mellon Band. But what you need to know about all that is they didn't march. They played all those gorgeous arrangements standing still oh. for the most part. A.K.A. Grant Wolf at MCC. And they were so intricate. Yeah. And, right. Uh, you guys marched to it, too, yeah. so you know. <laughs> it was Allegedly. Excuse me for interrupting, but I just... I remember them standing in their kilts. They wore kilts because it was Carnegie. Oh, Mountain. cool. Oh, yeah. I had a kilt. Coach had a kilt, too. Yeah. Like Boren in front, and uh, I had a scabbard that you put in your sock. You know, nice. my sh shoes had a buckle on. Uh, I looked like a little elf. <laughs> but, uh, that, was, that was what I wore when I could. But Dick and Eddie used to teach together in Alaska in the summers. Is that, am I remembering correctly? Okay. And so that went back a long way. And then that, that obviously begets the Steve Mraz from mm -hmm. Anchorage, who yeah, learned right. about the Sun Devil Band through playing gigs up in Alaska with Eddie. In fact, Steve, oh, Steve tells nice. the story, his flight down here to ASU to come to school, he was sitting next to Eddie Madden as Eddie was scratching out, I think, one of the Donna Summer songs. Oh, enough, enough is enough. Enough is enough. enough, enough, is enough. Last dance. Yeah. Or, or last Which dance. is one of the few suggestions I was ever able to make about what tunes <laughs> to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, excuse oh, me. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank that you was a good that, one. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you would not want uh, this kind of crew to be wearing kilts. Uh, <laughs> that that right would now. be a mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That would think, that would be a problem. I yeah. think Scott Curry in a kilt would have been a problem. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Or boomer. Chaos. Boomer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The only problem we had with the kilt at Carnegie Mellon was uh, they always told the freshmen that you don't wear underwear when you wear a kilt. Well, they they got this one freshman kid to come up to the sideline and do a cartwheel. <laughs> That ended that tradition <laughs> forever because, oh, boy, the, and that was my last year there. And <laughs> they got. Yeah. Yeah. And you fled the state. Yeah. I fled the state, <laughs> you bet. <laughs> well, when we started playing the Eddie stuff, you we changed the little motto thing to the new sounds of the Southwest. Yes. Yeah. And then by my junior or senior years, it became. The exciting sounds. Exciting sounds of the Southwest. Jim Creaseman, yeah. Thank you, Jim Creaseman. That's one of the reasons. That was the first thing that I went back to Pontiac, because I went back one summer, and that was it. 
but the first thing that I was bragging about, I was like, oh my God, you should hear these jazz tunes we're playing. And I don't know, we had like 210, I think, when I first got here, somewhere around mm -hmm. that. Seven, 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 yeah, yeah. it was just a little over there. So I was, I was just bragging and bragging and bragging on that. And then when we played Jazz Maroon and Gold, <laughs> I think something happened to me there. And I still remember that. Nobody likes that tune well, for and, some reason. I, no. And in every, every arrangement, like there had to be at least three um, key changes. <laughs> you know, you had to modulate, you know, three oh, yeah. time, different times. Yeah. Channeling is Barry Manilow. <laughs> you know. Oh, nice. Come in. Hello. <laughs> How? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been... A, it's just amazing... I got to be honest with you. Last Father's Day, uh, my father passed away last year, or so and, and, it, and it was difficult, and um, it got me thinking of the fathers in my in my life, and the father figures, coaches, and yeah. you know, directors and counselors and teachers, stuff like that. And it, you know, you, you've given birth. You and Mama Coach have given birth to a lot of kids. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk yeah. about like Danny Lindsay, and yeah. you know, and Danny and uh, Annette. Nanette, you know, and Nanette, and 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 just all those the the OGs as I call them. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't mean original. I mean OGs. Oh, <laughs> That's what I mean. But Dave Corral and and Lee yeah. Bauman and Mark Greer and, and Clary and and all Mike these guys. Watts. Mike Watts. Mike Watts. You know, wow. The Watchman. That have hence yeah. scattered to the hinterlands of the music world, and and had kids, and then you it's got now people's kids coming back, alumni kids coming back yeah. in, and they're in the band, and they're the new, they're the hut group, you know, hut mm -hmm. group. and so it just, you got a lot of kids out there, Coach. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the teaching lineage of directors, it's amazing. Yeah, as far as, you know, the people that went on to high school or a lot of college, I mean, it's, the, it's long, I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah. seriously long. Yeah, I was going to bring that up earlier. You spawned quite a few little coaches <laughs> yeah. yeah I think at one point we had 18 of our past grad assistants were now directors of bands around the country that's great and uh, I've since then stopped counting but uh, yeah it, it's a never-ending process you know and several yeah. of them have retired Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah that's that Steve that Peterson. <laughs> Steve Peterson just retired. Yes. Well, last year I think. But you know, when that happened, Mike Watts retired. Uh, Greer retired. And you go on and on, and and that puts you in an old stage. And there are now some of the uh, graduates who married within the band. Yeah. have children who are in the band. In fact, I just saw uh, Tom Holt's son is oh, coming, wow. To, wow. coming to ASU, and he's a tuba player. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Eric and Molly, I think, their kids, right? their kids in the band, and, and I've seen pictures of that in Zimmerman. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's neat. Um, There's a lot of um, folks out there that you have influenced, and it's because of the way you treated marching band. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when I first got down here and you were giving us water breaks, in my opinion, those those were the family generating moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
because when I when I took a water break, I don't know about anybody else, but when I took a water break, I didn't sit in one group. I flittered around to pretty much everybody, and, and, and people, you could just see, they were talking and just having fun. We're on break. We're not necessarily talking about music at this moment, but they're just enjoying each other and talking about what they're going to do after band or what they did during the weekend. Um, and, and when those water breaks went away with, with now bands, I could see that it's just in and out. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have time to get to know people. Yeah. Um, and when I did, and I'm not trying to brag on anything because it wasn't me, it was me and Kirk Mason. When we did those end of year slideshows, in today's yes. age, yeah. you, you don't have that because you take a picture and everybody sees it, you know, mm -hmm. immediately. Y'all had to wait. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I mean, sure of that. It's yeah. like, nope, you're not seeing this. But, <laughs> but at that, at that banquet, when we had those slideshows, people were genuinely interested in what we were going to show as a yeah. family. Yeah. And, it, and it played out so nicely. Everybody it was the number one event of the night that Big we all looked forward to. Yeah. 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 It was And the banquet everybody went to. I mean, yeah. they wanted and to dress up to go. Plus all of the, the events you had, you know, freshman of the year, senior of the year, mm -hmm. Clown of the Year. I forgot what that one was. <laughs> right. Like that, but I mean, all that stuff generated a family-like yeah. um, environment. And 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 I'm point of this podcast, music, the bed of life. Um, I think you instilled music into people's life, as opposed to it being the bed of life. Because mm -hmm. in my terms for this podcast, the bed of life means music that's just out there. But you don't necessarily hear it or listen to it, but it's there, it's always getting to your ear. But in your case, music is in us. Yeah. It's 100%. just instilled in us. It's mm -hmm. not yeah. out there. It's not trivial mm -hmm. by any means. Mm -hmm. And it's also family. So it's yeah. music and family at the same time. So mm -hmm. I just I wanted to say that and I think probably that might be a good place to head towards a wrap-up, because you all have done wonderfully. Thank you, Mama Coach. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Leslie. And thank you, Coach, for being Coach. Well, I thank you for being you. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, we yeah, love, love you. you. We love you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week to hear more reminiscing after this episode wrapped. For more information about this episode and past episodes, go to www.musicthebedoflife.com. Please like, share, and follow to stay informed of new episodes. Join your host, Anthony V. Simiel, on the next quest to discover how music plays such an important part of our lives and the many individuals responsible for making it happen. Music is the bad music is the bad music is the